Hey, everybody. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you either click to or turn to with me. Luke chapter 17, verses 18 through 35 is what we're going to look at uh, today. And, and uh, we're in this series in the book of Luke. We're looking at two chapters, Luke chapter 7 and then Luke chapter 8. The title of the series is Luke, Jesus for Everyone. The title of this sermon, this message is, is A Friend in the Darkness. And today we're going to look at, a, look at an individual in Scripture, not a non-believer, but a believer, a person that had walked with Jesus, a person that had a relationship with Jesus. He's, he's a follower of Christ. And we're going to look at John the Baptist, who was the one, if you know about his life, he was the one that foretold the, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. And John the Baptist enters into a season of darkness. And out of his life, we're going to pull some principles out and help us to understand that Jesus is a friend to the one in darkness. Jesus is a friend to the one that's in crisis. Jesus is a friend to the one to where they feel like that their spiritual uh, equilibrium has been like rattled, their, their, their life, their world has been tur- turned upside down, and all of a sudden they may experience some doubt. It's these seasons, listen, it's these seasons that we can go through to where you have like these, these persistent questions that can may- maybe make you feel anxious or vulnerable, and you're almost experiencing like spiritual vertigo. See, it's a season that you can go in that, it, that it's a crisis to where it turns your world upside down and, and that, that crisis or that season could be brought in and, and may, maybe by a divorce or maybe by a job loss or maybe the loss of a, of a friend or a family member, maybe a, a cancer diagnosis or, or maybe a betrayal or maybe a shattered dream or a wayward child or a car accident or an inability to get pregnant or Maybe just a deep desire to get married, and it's, it's unfulfilled. It's, it's, or maybe a dryness or a loss of joy in your relationship with Christ. And, and that's when sometimes we, we begin to question. We question ourselves, and we may be, begin to question even God. And that's what those seasons that when we know in those seasons where we have more questions than, than answers, and it, it feels like our very spiritual foundation has been rattled, or maybe the rug has been pulled out from under us. And, and so we don't know where God is. We don't know where God is going. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know how he's going to get us there. We don't know how much longer we're going to walk through this. And you know what? This could describe COVID-19. That you can enter into a season. Here's what's the interesting thing. Many times you enter that season alone, but this time it seems like that this is a collective season that we're going in. That's why one of our principles, when we entered into this season as a church, one of our values was we're in this together. We're going to walk through this together. And so today I just want to give you just a few principles out of John the Baptist's life that can help us navigate through these times when we have a crisis or we have darkness or we have questions because because John the Baptist had them. And it's amazing to see how Jesus was a friend to him, how Jesus ministered to them, how Jesus helped him because Jesus is a friend to the one in darkness. So, So three things out of John the Baptist's life, and we'll just walk through the scripture together. The first one is this. I just think it's three questions we have to look at. And the first one is this, is why did John doubt? And what caused him to doubt? Why did he have those doubts? Because we know he's a believer. We know he's a follower of Christ. And so we pick up the story in verse 18. It says, the disciples of John reported all of these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent him to the Lord, saying, so he's sending them to Jesus because he could not go. We'll understand why. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? 
And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you. So they're speaking to Jesus, saying, are you the one who is to come? Or should we, should we look for another? And John had taken these, these, his two disciples and says, I, I need you to go ask Jesus a question for me. I can't go. We're, we're going to learn later that, that John was in a prison. He was in a prison cell. And so he obviously couldn't go. And so he sends two of his disciples, two of his friends, and say, can you go ask Jesus these questions because I just need to make sure he is the Messiah. Now, listen, you wouldn't expect John the Baptist, especially somebody like him, to have questions or have doubts. Uh, when you look at his life, John had a godly upbringing. He had seen, he had seen miracles. He had seen the, seen the ministry of Jesus. He had been called into the ministry by God. He knew that. He had, seen, he had seen Christ up close and personal. And so you think his faith would be rock solid. You think his faith would be strong. And yet you look at this, and it seems like he has some doubts. I mean, John was the one, right? John the Baptist was the one that foretold the coming of the Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then later in this passage, I mean, you just see John humbly say that I'm not even even worthy to, like, untie your your sandals or loosen your your sandals. And, man, we know this, right? They're, they're, They're people who have seen miracles, and there are people who have been called into ministry by God, and there are people who boldly proclaim the name of Christ, and yet you see in their life that they still go through a season of doubt or maybe a season of question when they walk through some crisis. The fact is you, you see this of Old Testament characters and New Testament. Uh, Moses went through this season. Abraham went through several. Jeremiah went through this. David went through this. And yet here's the interesting thing. They came out stronger on the other side when they understood how to navigate because God did something special in the darkness. God did something special in the crisis. And so we can look at this and just ask ourselves the question, well, why did, why did John the Baptist doubt? I mean, what caused him to doubt? And sometimes what causes us to doubt? The first thing is this, is just with John, is disillusionment. I mean, I think he was disillusioned. He, he thought Jesus, and so we know this from the Scripture, we thought Jesus, he thought Jesus was going to come in and set up a, a political kingdom or a military kingdom. And, and when that didn't happen... He was confused. He was disillusioned. John the Baptist may have had a hard time accepting some things, and, and that's easy for us because we have the Old and the New Testament and to be like a Monday morning quarterback and say, well, why did he doubt? I mean, it's, it's right here, but please remember, he didn't have the Old Testament, he didn't have the New, or he didn't have the New Testament, and, and, and he didn't know what was going on. And you and I can look back on the ministry of Christ, and, and we may be able to understand because we had the, the whole Bible. And so John may have been confused because his life didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. And he, didn't have, he didn't have a crisis in his future. He didn't see that. He didn't see living in a prison cell for a period of time. And maybe, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe your life isn't turning out the way you planned. Maybe when you dreamed about your life, you didn't have COVID-19 in your future. And maybe because of this season, maybe your life isn't turning out the way you planned, and maybe, you, maybe you're disillusioned. Maybe you've had a job loss. Maybe you've had a reduced salary. Maybe you have multiple family members living in the same home. Maybe your retirement has been reduced, and it's going to affect your future. And may, maybe you could say, you know what, that... I'm a little disillusioned. I, 
my life isn't turning out the way I expected. I mean, John had, John had promised that the, the, the kingdom was at, at hand and the kingdom of God was at hand. And when John looked around, he realized it from what he could see, it, it wasn't close because it wasn't turning out the way that he expected. And not only was he disillusioned, I think another thing that plays into when we walk into crisis and, and to give us some doubts is this issue of diversity. John definitely had some adversity, and if, if you've ever had something to do with adversity, you know it can be difficult. And so John is like facing some tremendous adversity. Matthew chapter 11 and Luke chapter 3, we learn that, that John the Baptist, when he writes these words, he's sitting in a, in a prison cell, and he's lonely, and he's afraid, and he's about to die, and he's wondering when Jesus is really going to begin his reign, going to begin his kingdom, and, and because he, he had pictured it in his mind. And, and here's the thing about adversity, that oftentimes adversity strengthens our faith. Adversity can be the testing ground that faith is re- refined and developed by the fires of adversity. Unfortunately, I just have to tell you, not all faith survives the testing the faith of some can be shaken and shattered and by the test of adversity. And he, John, is in a prison cell, and it had to have been a difficult time for him. He, I mean, he was accustomed to a different lifestyle. He was accustomed to the wilderness, the outdoors, the freedom, and now he's like, he's like in a small prison cell. And maybe sitting in a prison cell, and maybe he's thinking, you know what, my prayers aren't being answered, and my life isn't turning out the way that I expected. Maybe he's Maybe he's thinking of some predictions in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5 and 7. Watch this just interesting verse, or a couple of verses, and he says, I am the Lord. I have called you, called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will keep you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind. And watch this, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prisons those who sit in darkness. Maybe John the Baptist is remembering the Isaiah in this passage. And he's sitting in a prison and he's thinking that the Messiah that he's talking about is going to come and he's going he's to free the prisoners. And, and I'd, I'm a great candidate. In other words, what he's thinking, I'm right here. I mean, it's a golden opportunity for you to prove that you're the Messiah. I mean, come and get me out of here. And John can't take a step out of the cell, of the prison cell. He can't personally investigate. So he's relying on what his friends can tell him. He's relying on their assistance. And so we learn that John's disciples told him about the things that they had seen, the things that Jesus had done. And he probably thought, you know what, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on what God's doing. I'm stuck in this prison cell. And maybe you doubt because of some adversity that you're walking through or you're facing. Or maybe you've, you've experienced some health problems or some job challenges or, or some things that are going on in your life. And you've come to that place to where you, you're, you're just like stuck. And you shake your fist at God and you begin to ask these questions, why? Man, doubt, listen, doubt can creep into the life of a believer if we're not careful. And that's when we have to process out those feelings. That's what the Psalms is about. You can use the Psalms as a prayer guide. You can use the Psalms to process out hurt and pain in your emotion. Do not stay stuck in the darkness. Do not stay stuck in your doubt. Learn how, and we learned this with, with John, that he learned how to navigate through it. The second thing is this, and just question, is where did, where did, God, where did, where did John go with his doubts? 
That's really important for us to understand. When you have doubts or when I have doubts, where do you take your doubts? Where do you go to, for, for the answer? Well, you look at John the Baptist's life, and John goes to the source. And John just didn't sit in his, in his crisis, and John just didn't sit in the darkness and sulk and have these philosophical debates with people around him. He went right back to the source. A lot of people, when, when they go through doubt and when they go through crisis, a lot of people go to the wrong source, and as a result of that, they never never navigate through it. They never get out of the darkness. And you make a decision that, you know what, I'm, I'm going back to the source. I'm going to start reading God's word for myself. I'm going to start studying God's word. That's, that's why we life journal like we do at Fellowship of the Rockies. That passage that I read earlier, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 17, that has helped me to navigate through that time. You know where that came from? Life journaling. That came from just daily reading of Scripture. And so you learn to go back to the source. And so John the Baptist goes back to the source. So here's what happens, Luke chapter 7, verse 20. And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So all of a sudden you realize, you know what, they go right back to the source. How do you, how do you respond to your questions? How do, you, how do you respond to those things that come up in your life when you have doubt? How, how do you seek comfort when you're not satisfied with, like, the answer? There's a, there's a funny story that I just re- recently read. It was, in, it was in a blog, and um, I think his name was Thomas who wrote this. And, and Thomas is talking about a story where, where one of his friends, and his friend's name was Dawn, and Donna just, she had just like finished reading a book on marriage, and it was titled Men Are for Mars and Women Are for, for Venus, and talking about the difference between men and women. And so she came to this particular page, this particular paragraph that really spoke to her that she wanted to communicate to her husband. So she goes to her husband, and she reads this paragraph that basically says that when sometimes women don't need a husband that will fix them, they just simply need a husband and try to, instead of trying to fix the problem or fix the solution that's willing to like encourage them, put their arm around them and say it's going to be okay and I love you and just encourage them. In other words, she said that, that we don't always need someone just to fix us. Well, she read it to her husband and her husband says, well, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can. Instead of giving you three points and giving you all that, I'm, I'm going to learn how to encourage you. I'm going to learn how to support you. Well, that next morning, they both left for the office about the same time. They walk out to their cars in the driveway. As they're walking out to their cars, uh, one of her tires was flat. So her husband walks over the car. He investigates it. He looks at it. He walks over to his wife. He puts his arm around her. He gives her a kiss, and he says, honey, it's going to be okay. And he got, got in his car and went to work. Sometimes we need more than just arms around us. Sometimes you need an answer. Sometimes you need a solution. John the Baptist was in that type of a crisis, and he had to go back to the source because he needed an answer. He needed a solution. And the first place we must look when we doubt is we must come back to the Scriptures. We must come back to the Bible. And John says that these things were written so that we may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that we may believe on him and have eternal life. And so we don't just read books about the Bible, though that's good, but we have to go back to the source. 
We have to learn to read Scripture for ourselves. We have to learn to like dig into the text and understand why it's there and how it applies to our life. And so you, you read the Scriptures that encourage you and can strengthen you. That's why Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, the Bible will lead you to Jesus. It will lead you into relationship with him, that you know that he can, you can trust him, that you can have forgiveness of sin and eternal life, and that he's a friend in the darkness. The third and the last thing is this, just the last question. How did Jesus respond to, to John's doubts? I, that, that's the question I had as I started working through this text. I mean, how, how, did, how did Jesus respond? I mean, how did Jesus, how does Jesus respond to the one who has doubts? How does Jesus respond to the one who is in the darkness, in the crisis? And so verse 20, Scripture says, And the men had come to him. They said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I just want you to notice that Jesus is a compassionate friend to John. Even when he's in a season of doubt. When those disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, you know, your cousin, John, John the Baptist, he has a question. Are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus doesn't throw up his hands and say, I'm not believing this. I cannot believe John doesn't understand this. He didn't judge him. He didn't belittle him. He didn't embarrass him. He didn't ridicule him for his questions. Verse 21, watch this. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. On many who were blind, he bestowed sight. So all of a sudden, he just, he just, he just did something. Verse 22. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor had good news and, and preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He invites them just to watch. He invites them just to watch and see. He invited them to watch as he healed many people of different afflictions and different problems, and, and he just healed them, and all of a sudden they realized his impressive credentials. He was helping John to understand. Listen, he was helping John to understand that he was not establishing a political kingdom or a military kingdom, that he was establishing, establishing the kingdom of God that was more powerful than any political kingdom and more powerful than any military kingdom. And John the Baptist, see, John the Baptist just needed validation and confirmation of the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the predictions about the coming of the Messiah. Verse 24, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. So, so, okay, so the friends are gone, right? And Jesus turns, and they had witnessed this whole thing. They had heard about John the Baptist's questions. They had heard that dialogue. They had seen the miracles. And all of a sudden, the disciples are gone. They're going back to, to, to John the Baptist. And, and Jesus turns to the crowd. And so he says, when the messengers, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So now he's talking about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in the king's courts. 
Jesus wanted to make certain that the disciples don't change their opinion about John just because John had some doubt, just because John had some uncertainty when he was walking through darkness and when he was sitting in a, in a dark prison cell. Listen, when you go through crisis, when you go through dark seasons of your life, you will find out who your true friends are. Some will quit calling. Some will quit texting. Some will quit seeing you. It's interesting to me that the world, okay, the world will commend people to their face, but they will criticize them behind their back. They will commend you to your face, but they will talk about you behind your back. But Jesus, Jesus is a friend in the darkness. Jesus is a friend in crisis. And, John, and Jesus waits for John's disciples to leave. And then he, he commends him. I wonder why he did that. Maybe it is because even in crisis, good friends stand up for you. Even when you're not there. Some people in the audience were obviously saying some things. If John the Baptist was such an awesome prophet of God, then why is he sitting in a prison cell? And the answer is obvious. This is what Jesus said. It's because of the unbelief and the sinfulness of political leaders that had thrown him in prison. Listen, if we, if we base our beliefs about the nature of God on anything other than Scripture, we're always going to end up with a distorted and unbalanced view of God. That would describe their political leaders of that day. For instance, if we, if we only know about God's love and nothing about his justice, justice and his holiness and his righteousness, then we're, we're going to misunderstand and we're going to have a lot of doubts. Why did he do that? Why did he do that that way? Why didn't he do what I think he should have done? Man, if you're... If you're wrapped up in some doubt right now because of crisis, would you investigate the truth? Would you go to the source? Verse 26, and when, what then did you go to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face and who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. What a statement. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now listen, this is kind of a confusing passage we're going to enter into, but we're going to understand it. When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God's just, having been baptized but with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees, of course, and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then should I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling on one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you said he, was, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say, look at him a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Now, this is a really confusing passage by what 
Jesus is saying, but here's what he's, here's what he's getting across that we need to understand. A lot of people in their generation were childish instead of having a childlike faith. They were just immature. They were driven by emotion. They were driven by feelings. In other words, what he was saying is this group of people that he's talking about had an immature faith, and their faith is just simply based on what feels good. Their, their faith is based on just a set of feelings. They were saying, you know what? It honestly makes no, no difference. I don't believe in John the Baptist, and I don't believe what Jesus is saying, and I, I believe my feelings over them. Man, I have to tell you, I've, I've walked through some dark times, and I want to let you know that in the midst of crisis, there are treasures in the darkness. If you, it's true of John the Baptist's life. It was true of Abraham and Moses and Jeremiah and David. But if you walk through crisis, if you walk through the darkness, trusting him and following him, I'm telling you, there's treasures along the way. In the dark night of a soul, your faith can like deepen. That's where you learn to worship God and not worship my feelings. That the, listen, the only way out of the darkness, the only way through the darkness is for you to follow him, not your feelings. The darkness never feels good. Crisis never feels good. COVID-19 doesn't feel good. But guess what? We are not following our feelings. We are following him. And I believe collectively, whether it's the church, whether it's us as believers collectively, we are walking through this crisis together, and God is preparing us and developing us for a deeper love for him, a deeper love for one another, and a deeper love for those who do not know him. And we're, we're, we're in the darkness where if you come out right, our will becomes his will. It's not our will versus his will. All of a sudden, something happens. I'm telling you, listen, from experience from Scripture, there are treasures in the darkness, I believe, with all my heart. God is doing something in us. God is deepening the church. God is deepening believers. Don't listen. Do not miss what he's doing in your life. But you have to walk through darkness properly. Never forget, I'm, I'm, I met my wife in, in uh, 19, 1982, and I met her in church, and, and we were friends before we dated and, of course, before we got married. And so, so when we were in still in the, like, like the friend zone, uh, I, I'd done something nice for her. I don't even remember what it was. I'm sure it's pretty sacrificial. I don't remember what it was, but I'd done something nice for her. So she had me over to her apartment for, for dinner just to say thank you. And so I'll never forget it, lasagna and, and French bread and salad. And I'm telling you, that was a night that I decided I'm going to marry her. And so uh, we had had lasagna together. I had a really great time, and, and I wanted to see her some more. And it's, but we're still in like that awkward stage. And so she had mentioned, she says, you know what I really miss, what I really love to do. And she was kind of new to Houston, and uh, she had moved there from New York. And so she's like, you know what I really would love to do? 
I just want to find a lake. I want to go to a lake. I want to sit on the side of a lake, and I want to go for a, a hike. Now, listen, I like, I like totally lied because I wanted to spend the next day, Saturday, with her. And I says, oh, you're in luck. I know a great lake. I know a great state park. I'll take you. I'll pick you up tomorrow at 9, and I'll bring all the stuff, and we'll go spend the day. We'll go sit by a lake, and we'll go hike, and we'll hang out. Now, listen, I was totally lying. I don't think I'd ever been there before. And so I got there that next morning, and the one giveaway should have been the lawn chairs, the the cooler and, and everything that I brought, it still, it still had the, the, you know, the stickers hanging on it. I mean, it's like brand new. And so uh, I picked her up. We went to the state park, and as we pull in, um, I was trying to act like I knew what was going on. And so when we paid, I looked at the attendant and said, hey, by the way, which, which way is the lake? I can't remember, left or right? And they go, oh, you're going to want to go left. But they says, but we drained it about a year ago. I'm like, what? And they go, yeah, we're having problems with the dam, and, and so we've drained it, and we're rebuilding the, dra- the dam, and we're looking to refill it shortly. And so I kind of brushed it off, and oh, and so, so anyway, we, we made the best of it. We still drove down there. We got our stuff out. We set our, our, our stuff and our lawn chairs out on the side of like this empty lake, and so we'd try to make jokes. I'd try to make jokes. Look at the beautiful water and the boats. It doesn't the breeze feel good, and, and she's kind of getting suspicious at this point, and I said, hey, you said you want to go hike, let's go hike. And, and listen, one thing that she didn't know about me, and maybe you don't know about me, but I am geographically challenged. And so we found a hiking trail that I'd never been on, but I acted like I had. And, and so we get on this hiking trail, and we start hiking, and, and, um, and we get lost. And I'm starting to follow feelings, and I think it's this way. I think it's this way. And what I learned, Karen has a much better um, uh, she's much better, you know, at, at, at direction, and, and she's not directionally challenged like I am, and she's like, are you sure, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure, go this way, this way, and I just was trying to be confident, and it's getting darker and darker, and now all of a sudden, it's, it's almost dark, and, and I'm thinking, oh, my, we might spend the night out here, and so she's getting a little panicked. I'm getting a little panicked. I still believe this guy is, is, uh, was, a, uh, was an angel, but it was kind of odd. It was kind of strange. We, we came out to an opening, which was a row of power lines that had been mowed, and we came out to this opening, and a guy, no kidding, pulled up like on a scooter. It looked like a moped. His headlights are on, and he goes, hey, what are you guys doing here? Are you lost? And I go, no, we're not lost, but if you could just help us. He goes, well, you're really lost, and if you go this way, you're going to get back to the highway, and you're going to have to go right, and you're going to have to re-enter the park. I mean, we were way lost. And so we, uh, we, followed, we followed his directions. We, it was no longer based upon feelings. We followed his directions. And I'm here to tell you, the only way out of the darkness, the only way through the darkness, because there's blessing on the other side. You learn to worship him and not feelings. You learn to trust him at new levels is by following him. Regardless of your feelings, you follow him. This was John the Baptist. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of his word? What is he saying to you as a result of this message? And more importantly, what is your next step? For some of you, you may not know him. And you may need to just write where you're at. You may have just realized. And say, Lord, I ask you to come into my life and my heart to forgive me my sins. I know my sins have separated me from you. And I'm asking you to forgive me my sin 
give, the, give me the gift of eternal life into the very best of my ability, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to learn about you, and I'm going to dive into your word. Maybe, maybe you're a believer, and maybe your world has been turned upside down. Maybe your spiritual equilibrium is off. And the only way to recalibrate that is to go back to the source. So maybe, maybe your next step, and maybe your next step is just simply, Lord, I'm going to learn to follow you. Not my feelings. I'm going to go back to the source. I'm going to go back to the word. I am making a commitment right now that I'm going to come out of this stronger and I'm going to know you in a deeper way. Father, we love you. Father, we pray for those now that are making decisions for you. Father, would you give them comfort? Would, you, would, would they know that they have a church fellowship, the Rockies, that loves them deeply, that would love to help them on their spiritual journey, would love to help them on next steps? Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. May we find treasures in the darkness. May we trust you over our circumstances. May we trust your word over our feelings. May we worship you and not our feelings during this time. And would you deepen us in a very special way. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.